Welcome to the Cap City Authors Podcast. This is episode 147. You got Chris and Brian once again, and this time around, we're going to talk about our experience shooting a variety of law enforcement uh, qualification courses, uh, rifle, pistol, sometimes shooting a rifle qual with a pistol. With a, with a pistol, yeah, and absolutely. all of the various shenanigans and things that happened during the course of shooting those. Absolutely. Guys, we uh, had an opportunity to shoot uh, with a different group of guys here in the last couple of weeks um, uh, that we normally shoot with um, by invitation. And so we basically got to spend some time doing some of the qual drills here locally, like Brian said. Um, you know, one of the things about doing law enforcement qualifications, if you talk to somebody who's a police officer, they will either tell you one of two things about qualification, um, qualification shooting. They'll either tell you, oh, my God, it's a complete and total joke. Or they'll tell you, yeah, man, you got to know what you're doing to make that qualification. Um, someone who tells you you got to be squared away to qualify for most law enforcement quals, especially in the state of Ohio, the OPATA qual, um, they, they're, if they think that's a challenge, they're probably a really bad shooter. Uh, so probably be looking for a different job. Yeah, and I won't say that they're incompetent. It's a different conversation than that. The reality check is a law enforcement officer is way more likely to use verbal de-escalation on a day-to-day basis than the gun. The problem is, is when you need the gun, you need the gun. Um, and you need to be able to use it. So, um, we, you know, so it's that conversation. One of the reasons that we talk a lot about running different drills, what the metrics are, trying to establish some manner of baseline or an understanding of where you are within your skill set. Um, anybody who wants to get better at anything should be writing down notes about whatever that endeavor is. Some things, your improvements are more subjective than others. But if you can find a tool that gives you a way to be objective about your skill levels and then apply that objectivity to improvement and to practice, um, that is a good thing. Some of these quals, also the way they're broken down, are qualifications of specific skill sets. Um, the ability to shoot quickly at close range, the ability to shoot you know, fine shooting at longer ranges, the ability to maybe reload the gun or do different things like that also give you a diagnostic tool that you can use to say, hey, these are some things that I want to work on. In general, most LE quals aren't super good at any of those things. They're a, they're a legal tool put out there so that when you go and do something stupid, um, your chain of command, if they're unable to explain why they haven't trained you well, can use this qual to say, hey, this is why we're going to burn you down. Um, and unfor- that's a really unfortunate thing. Um, it, 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 you will find that guys who train police officers generally take it extremely seriously and take a lot of pride in it. You'll also find most police officers want to be good at shooting a gun but it's very difficult. It's a skill that you have to keep up on. It's a skill that is expensive to keep up on, and it has to be something that's of interest to you. You're not going to do it. Um, the same dude who's maybe not so good with the handgun uh, might be super badass at jujitsu. Um, still a dangerous dude, still a guy you want to have around and learn from. It's just you know where, where you spend your time and effort will show, and that's where we're at with this. Um, for us as civilians with concealed carry permits who take this stuff kind of seriously, it's cool to establish a baseline and kind of understand where you sit within that hierarchy. So having said that, we have the opportunity to opportunity to run um, the OPATA qual, the Ohio Police Officer Training Academy qual for the state of Ohio. Uh, we had the opportunity to run Columbus Police, their old one of their older the, quals, which yeah, is the, referred to by the, I guess as the NRA qual or something yeah, like that. Sixty round, three hundred point qual. Yeah, sixty round, three hundred point qual. If you're if you're with CPD or you're local and you know what that is, um, it's it's a little more little more strenuous qual, um, little little more skills involved. Uh, we got a chance to do that, um, and and it was always it's nice to put a baseline to it. Uh, one one of the guys in our training group 
um, who was invited out to do this actually punched a 300, which punching a clean qual is, uh, is, no, is no mean feat. It's legit. It's a target to hang on the wall of yes. It is. We, we will have a wall of yes. Uh, look for it near the hair tie display. Um, so it, that is a wonderful thing you know, to be at that skill level because that, that shows mastery of some of the skills. It doesn't mean there's no place to go from there. It just means that's a, that's a really good, solid foundational baseline to work with. Um, Brian and I, 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 know I punched a 295 um, out of 300. Yeah, a two, we shot this twice. I've uh, set a 291 and then a 295 out of 300. Yeah, and the first one I totally boned. Um, the first one I was like at a, I was just, I think, 278 or something like that. Um, one of the things, lessons learned from this, when we talk about diagnostics, shooting that 270, I mean, you know what, it was a 272. It's actually worse than that, 272. Um, the, the, the first part of the NRA qual, the old CPD qual, or the 60, point, 60 round 300 point qual, is 18 rounds at, at 25 meters. You start off kneeling six rounds, and then you go to barricade, strong side, barricade, weak side for six rounds each. And then there's a reload in there. You've got all the time in the world. You have like four and a half days. Seconds. Yeah, four and a half days, I think, to shoot yeah. those 18 rounds. Um, so I, I, I found that shooting off the barricade, I, I, I don't shoot off a barricade. I generally try and stay off a of cover, I'm not touching it. But in this case, you know, when in Rome, um, and I punched up against the barricade, and I, and I pushed everything low left. Like literally out of 18 rounds, I dropped almost every single point I dropped was in those 18 rounds. Um, low left, which I thought was really bizarre because having support, but then the rest of the rounds, the other, what would that be, 42 rounds yeah. were clean. Um, and so I was kind of freaked me out as I was looking at my target halfway through that. I'm like, am I, am I new? What happened? You know, what happened that you're pushing everything low left? Because that's like new shooter stuff. And something about the barricade. Well, as I talked to some of the guys... Um, that we were shooting with who are instructors um, and master instructors. I mean, guys who legitimately help folks get better and learn how to do this stuff every day. They said that working off the barricade can change things a little bit and showed me some techniques to use the barricade. Um, my prompt response was, screw that. I'm not touching that barricade ever again. It makes me shoot like a new person. I'm, I'm teasing a little bit, but yeah. It was, yeah it was... I, had, I had similar experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rifle barricade. I think use all the support in the world. Yes. Handgun, uh, you're probably better off just stabilizing in the air. In, unless you train to it all the time. Unless you train to it. If you're if you you know if you're a PPC shooter and you use that post and you're shooting at a 50-yard runner, the barricade's a beautiful thing, I'm sure, if you know how to use it. Um, I was using the barricade wrong was the first thing I learned. I was punching into it with the front of my fist rather than putting the back of my hand up against it. So that was part of what created some issues. Um, but just one of those things like, you know, it was just a new thing to try and a new thing to go, Ooh, I don't like that. Um, and, and I'm joking, maybe someday I'll learn how to shoot off a barricade. Uh, but in general, I look at it as I'd rather stay back off a of cover a little bit because I think I can send less of me into a visible space and I can send the bullet closer to cover as it goes by it. Um, keeping my precious carcass a little bit safer, a little bit, not, not a lot. Um, I could see a use for the barricade if you were trying to shoot those really fine shots, if you knew how to use it as a support kind of thing, especially if we wanted to go beyond 25 yards. Um, I, again, for like PPC shooting where, where you're shooting that 50 yard or, or Bianchi cup shooting where you're yeah. shooting, you know, a runner, this, that, and the other, I think I get it. Um, but for, ge for general legit, I, I guess, tactical or defensive use, I would avoid it until I learn how to do it. So another one yeah. of those. Learn, you know, what skills you know and what skills you don't. <laughs> and that's one I don't know. <laughs> so, um, Brian, as you mentioned, we shot this a second time and I stayed off of it, used it as cover, but stayed back from it and jumped up to a 295 without the heartburn. Um, 
pulled, a, yanked one, four of the shots were at 25 yards just outside. One of the shots was one of the left-hand only shots that I just mushed. No, it's right-hand only. Right-hand I only. just mushed the trigger and went full potato. I have no idea how I did that. But anyway, I did. So, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, good reference point. Um, again, figured out some different things. I, I, this was the gun that the sights were off a few months ago. Um, the sights are dead nuts on. No complaints at all. If you push, push the trigger straight to the rear, everything works. Um, good to go there. Yeah. Also an observation, this is a general observation about shooting and, and visual. We talked about the visual aspect of shooting with these guys afterward. Um, and and what the comment that was made that's a quote from one of the guys, and I'm, not, I'm going to attribute this wrong, but it was basically hard front sight focus is B-class forever. Yeah. Um, I, Quoting Joel. I think that's a quote from, Joel Park. Uh, from yeah, Grandmaster Joel Park. Yeah. And so, um, and, and so one of our guys, you know, threw that out there and I kind of chuckled because that, that's one of the things that I, I can't see the front sight anymore. I, I, like cleanly. Um, it, it, it doesn't matter. Not being able to see a hard front sight does not matter. Um, and I, and I, I can't believe I'm saying it out loud because that's something that I preached forever that I'm learning here in the last like year with some of the things that we've done between predictive and reactive shooting is that it, when well, you need more, this, take step that back a couple seconds. More between like confirmation, call it confirmation one and confirmation three. Sure. With three yards in the front sight. Or yeah. confirmation confirmation one. I'm sorry, confirmation two and confirmation three with regards to the front sight. Yeah. And it's cool to use like the confirmation <clears throat> this and confirmation that, but whatever they mean, um, the reality check is you don't have to have a hard front sight focus. I was able to see the relationship between the front sight and rear sight. Um, even though they weren't clear, I could see it well enough to put everything where it needed to go at 25 yards, you know, and run that qual. And I bet if I ran that qual two more times, I bet I could shoot it clean. Um, and so it's just that visual aspect of the, the necessity for perfection. The necessity for perfection might exist in bullseye shooting. It might exist in um, silhouette shooting. It might exist, you know, I, I, there's, if you go to the Olympics. Yeah, there might be a place for that. But I can tell you that general defensive use of a firearm does not require it. It requires you to know your tool and know, know to see what's enough of seeing to be able to do it faster than the other guy. Exactly. Yep. And and that was definitely it. So um, interesting. Again, you learn things as you use these as diagnostics. That was kind of a, another aside that was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, and it was kind of a light bulb thing too, which is kind of cool. I'll take that. Yeah. We shot these. I shot this. Shot both of those from concealment. Do you shoot those from concealment? All of it. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um. And I'm not going to, I don't think we need to break down that qual um, other than yeah, just to say it's, it. it's open it source past. information. Um, if you want to learn more about the NRA 360 round 300 point qual, yeah. um, it's in a previous podcast, I think from earlier this summer. Or stop in and talk to us and we'll go from yeah. there. Um, we also did the OPATA qual, which is, which is now, I guess, required by all law enforcement agencies across the state of Ohio. Even if your agency's qual is more strenuous, um, you still have to do the OPATA qual. Uh, 25 rounds? Uh, yeah. Yeah, like fairly, fairly low round count. Uh, super easy qual. Um, we, the, the, the Opata qual is, I don't, I, don't know the, I don't know the nomenclature, the specific name of the target, um, but it has like an egg-shaped like 5x9-ish oval that's high center thoracic. Um, and then it also has, uh, I think there's like a headshot required that's a pretty yeah. big oval as well there too, maybe the same oval. And um, then a couple kidneys. And then a couple kidneys that are the same oval uh, that are your close range retention shots. Um the qual is actually on a larger shaded area of the target that's, I go bowling pin-ish, even though it's more angular. 
Um, it's that huge. old, yeah, it's huge. It's that it's the it's it's even bigger, I think, than the old FBI Q oh, target. You know, the old FBI Q target had a bowling pin in the middle that was pretty generous. This is even bigger than that. Um, and so basically, you've got to put twenty five rounds on meat. Essentially, if this was a skinny dude wearing a hoodie, um, the light area of the targets would be areas that you, or the dark, whichever it is, would be areas you missed because um, it would just go through clothing if it was a skinny cat wearing puffy clothes. Um, it, it, and so anyway, pretty easy qual. Um, we blew through that. No big deal. Um, I, I kept all those in the eggs. Yeah. There, there were no drop shots, even out of the egg, much less off the target. So, so that I hit, all, I hit the eggs the, yeah, all and them. the kidneys. Yeah, all of them. The only one, I, I put an extra <clears throat> round on the kidney. Um, I thought I was close enough. The three rounds just didn't feel like enough for me. And, and actually, the the guy, the guy giving us the commands said three shots, five seconds, and the last thing I heard was five, and five sounded like fun. And then I realized that it was actually just three shots, but I'd already shot four. So then I stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Comprehension is essential. Uh, yeah, I found when we shot the opotic ball that the the time hacks were overly generous. Like I could have gone and made a cup of coffee. Yeah. And I think the time we had to do the emergency reload. Um, after the thing was done, yeah, um, I was already back up and ready to go, like well before the. Oh yeah, before the targets even yeah. turned away, before the targets even sighted on us. So yeah, um, let's see. And then anything, I don't know that I really drew anything out of the Opata qual other than it's ridiculously easy. Anything else? Yeah, it's ridiculously easy. Yeah, um, yeah. The the Opata qual is like your white belt kata. Yep. Um, if you can't do it on demand, um, think about not carrying a gun. Yeah, for real. Um, and yeah, we're looking at you, whoever you are. Uh, the Apotiquel is also the one we ran in the dark with the time hacks cut in half and still, I think, aced it or dropped one shot, yeah, two shots. That's a podcast from like two years ago. Yeah. Here, check that one out. Yeah. That was fun. Yep. Um, so anyway, yeah, super, super easy. And again, a good baseline. If you are a new shooter, um, the those those quals, even the Opata qual, if you're a new shooter, will give you a baseline to work toward. Um, if you can shoot an Opata qual clean on the eggs, you're you're probably a good foundational shooter. Um, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't start thinking you're uh, John Wayne or anything like that. But you know, it's a pretty good place to go. So yeah, be a good place to start foundationally. Uh, what else do we want? To, anything on those, or do we want to move on to the next? Yeah, I mean, if you know, as we go, as Ohio looks to go from having concealed carry permits to possibly going to constitutional carry. Yeah. Um, if you are looking at a for a baseline to to kind of validate, you know, Bubba, he's now gonna carry his gun because he can. Yeah. Uh, something like the Apotical would be a good just baseline to run somebody through. Absolutely, and I, and I would and I would and I'm gonna add to that from a political perspective. Um, if if you know if if Bubba is a citizen of this country um, and is over 18 uh, and is not a felon or a dirtbag. And I will even go further to say is not a felon who has maybe been to jail and paid his dues, depending on what type of felon. If you know we have recidivism numbers around violent crime versus recidivism numbers around other types of crime. Um, if, if you are allowed to possess a gun um, and you're an 18 and you're not you're not a bad guy, etc., you you know carry carry your gun. But also understand that we always talk about you know we have the chest thumping uh, NRA Second Amendment guy that's ma ma right. Um, on the flip side of that same coin is your responsibility to be competent with the device. The other thing I'll throw out there too that probably concerns me more with possibly a constitutional carry, the number of folks that have a concealed carry permit but leave their gun in their car simply to have it stolen because it was shoved in the glove box that may or may not have been locked in a vehicle that may or may not have been locked. 
um, you know, you're still responsible for that tool. That is a deadly weapon. It's no different than, you know, going into a freaking daycare center with a sharp knife and setting it somewhere where the kids can reach it. And then when they get cut, go, oh, oh, uh, yeah, uh, well, I had it in my car. My car was locked. You know, well, I put it on a table. They're little. They shouldn't be able to reach up on a table, but they did. You know, same kind of mentality. So if that does pass, you know, understand that the right to your second, your second amendment right is the flip side of that coin's the responsibility to be safe with the device, store the device appropriately. Um, when it's not in use, it's locked up, etc. And when it and when it is out, it's on you and ready to go. And you know how to use it safely and appropriately. Uh, like know your target foreground background. Yeah. That kind of. All right, I'll stop preaching. Cool. Next. Uh, yeah, we shot the Apata rifle qual. Uh, do we go handguns first, or do we go the rifle first? Uh, we did it with handguns first, or with rifles first. Yeah. We do it with rifles first. <clears throat> um, yeah, Apata rifle qual. Another one of those things that. Um, super easy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did, did we do the other rifle qual first? No, we did that one at the end. Okay, cool. Um, so the, the Apollo rifle qual, uh, you, it's, it's out to 50 meters. Um, again, it's open source information. Um, it's, it's a, it's, it's a pretty simple, it's a pretty simple qual. If you've got any skills with a rifle at all, you ought to be able to do your, do, do the deed with it. Um, there's there's some like reduced size targets to to simulate further distance uh, for a no, few that shots. Was the, that was, the other was one. that okay? The other one that, that's the hardest. So, so the yeah the Apata calls out to 50 yards. It's it's a pretty easy run through. Um, blew through it. I, I don't you know I, I don't know that either one of us aced it. Uh, but there weren't a lot of points dropped. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and again, open source. That's something we can talk about if you, you know, if you want to stop by or you want to Google it. You can probably I think find we it. We actually talked about it in previous podcasts. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, got a chance to run that. Um, and then, and then we also took that same qual and pushed it into a one-time hack linear run with all the pieces, but then at distances rather than running the targets in and out. Yeah. Um, you know, so basically we were at an opportunity to play around with that too, and that, that was kind of fun um, doing that. Yeah, it turned, turned that into more of it like an assaulter-type drill. Exactly. Uh, which is yeah. honestly probably how it should be run all the time. Yep. Yeah, and and I think also it could be turned into a pretty good movement drill, starting close and moving back. Yeah. Um, if you wanted to get into like, how do I move? How do I turn? How do I safely? Where's the gun position? What am I doing with the rifle or with the handgun yeah. or either one of those? Um, and we got an opportunity to run that uh, both with handguns a couple of times and with rifles a couple of times. Uh, you know, made some kind of artificial time hacks out of it. Uh, we learned that uh, some of the guys that we're shooting with um, are 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 really good shooters, but they're also physical studs because they were able to move really fast and make stuff happen. Um, and, and I found out that I'm still slow. Nothing's really changed there. So the shooting part was an issue. The moving part was, but it was still fun. Uh, there's some prone, some get up, get down, some, you know, move, sprint to here, sprint to there, etc. Yeah. start, stop. Um, and then also with, as with any of these things, you know, you start learning ways to it, make it more efficient. You know, some people call it cheating. We call it winning. Um, you know, you learn ways to make it more efficient, and a couple of our guys got really good at that. Um, I, I don't think I did. <laughs> so yeah. I just was able to remember This it. was another one of those things, like, if you're going to really try to push the time on it, uh, you want to make it like your martial art kata where you don't yeah. have to think about what you've got to do at each distance. You can just, yeah. these are the things I need to do. This is the order I do them in. Yeah. Um, it becomes just a fluid, yeah. Ish. like, the buzzer, it goes beep, you do all the things, the last shot, you get a time. Hopefully yeah. there's nothing out of the preferred area. Exactly, yeah. So, and, and it, again, it, but it was fun to add 
you know, almost 50 yards of movement into however many shots it is. I still don't know. Uh, 20 rounds. Yeah. Um, just like five shots, reload, and go on kind yeah. of thing. Uh, 15 more or whatever. So, um, again, th- this is pretty cool to do with some of the some of the guys we're shooting with are, are that, that work for that agency are very are very skilled shooters. Um, and, and it was fun to do this stuff as a group with those guys and get some feedback from them, too, about, you know, hey, here's some tweaks. Here's some little things you can do. And that's going back, I think, harkens to that training aspect of going and taking training from a qualified instructor, whether that be shooting with a buddy who knows more than you um, and who not just knows more than you, it's actually competent and knows more than you, um, or shooting with somebody who's a professional who trains people for a living, whether that be within uh, you know, a municipality or an agency or whether that be somebody who goes out and, and does it for a living. Either way, um, it was cool to have a couple sets of eyes with us because two of the dudes that were safetying everybody and watching us run are again, super, super skilled shooters who have really, really big training backgrounds within their respective agencies um, and know their shit. So it was really cool to get some feedback from those guys yeah. about some different things to look for. And, and also to be like, Hey, that's actually pretty good. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. Where do we yeah. fit? Where do, where do you fit? <laughs> so we fit with some dudes who have some skills. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah. Um, what else? Um, Just, I kind of merged those two together, didn't I? Uh, no, I think that was good. Um, do you want to talk about the the NRA rifle police? Yeah, I, I yes, that that'd be cool. Um, so essentially, I'm trying to think of who the, this this was. So the the and, and this is not a direct analogy, but this like immediately I was having flashbacks to the prank stuff where there's multiple targets. Yeah. Um, this is obviously a lot easier, a lot less physical because the targets are moving for you rather than you moving to the targets. Um, but the yeah, the call's pretty neat. In this case, for CPD's patrol rifle qual um, was the qual, and again, this is probably open source, but uh, so we're not going to get too much into the details. Except on every iteration, you're addressing two targets; you're not just addressing one. Yeah, um, keeps you honest. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. Time, the time hacks are fairly generous um, with this, but you know, you do have to you have to transition um, your point of aim on every shot. And as you go, starting out with simulated targets at 100 yards, um, and then everything else is either 50 yards and in. Yeah. Um, didn't make you kind of keep track of your sight offset. Um, there were some required headshots that yep. things needed to be dialed in. And then, try to, yeah, those are back on that that really horrible target design. Yeah, yeah, that's a it, that's one of the things we you know we talk about the the props and the training tools that you use. Um, I, I, I do think that that target probably falls a little bit out of like that military center of mass kind of mentality. Um, and, and so I, I I think there's, and and unfortunately a lot of targets could be honed a little bit better into this going for that upper thoracic and, and stepping out of center of mass going to upper thoracic. Um, and, and understanding that the reason why the military used center of mass for so long was simply because they were looking for the maximum number of hits within the maximum range from point blank to however far we can squeeze into a 16-ish inch circle versus most of this is relatively close range stuff. Even patrol rifle stuff, it, it, I don't know what you know any agency specific SOPs are or how they're written, but in general, if you're shooting at somebody 50 yards away with a rifle, you better have one hell of a story to tell. Um, in general, you know, if you're shooting at somebody probably more than 50 feet with a rifle, you better have one hell of a story to tell. Or, I mean, in meaning that person yeah. better be dead nuts, obviously something that needs eliminated, um, from the planet in general. Um, so, you know, so some of this like confirming at a hundred is, is a little bit esoteric 
right up to the point where you need it. Yeah. And then it's not anymore. So I, I don't know. I, I like that part of it. I like the fact that they had the reduced yeah. size targets and, pushing out of distance. I mean, it was the target reshooting at 100 is in MOA. It's probably 20 MOA target. Oh, yeah. Oh, super like, generous. Very yeah. generous. Yep. Um, yeah. The closer range yeah. stuff, you know, it's like the, the accuracy provided you have good ammo. Yep. And you're getting sheets, sheets out to yep. acceptable standard. Yeah. Um, not really like the, the shooting part of it isn't really a challenge. Yeah, no. And, and quite honestly, the time hacks transitioning from target to target were still pretty generous as well. Yeah. Um, they were more than doable if you're a competent shooter. Um, I, I, I want to say that I shot a, the, the qual, you've got to shoot like a 280 or a 288 or something like that um, for one of the parts of the agency. And then the other part of the agency is lower than that. I, I can't remember what the numbers were, um, but either way, you know, I was over 290. I think I was 291, 292, yeah. something like that. Um, on that without ever having seen it um, and again running it again I'd be willing to bet I probably could have aced it um, because one of my point drops was out of the head box mm. um, and I and and, and I, I I didn't bring a rifle so I wasn't running my gun um, which the gun I was running was perfectly zeroed and had a more than serviceable trigger and did everything I was supposed to do so I'm not making excuses so much as just saying that you know with my gun or running that a second time with that gun um, I would be really surprised if I couldn't be, you know, pushing up in 298, 299, or 300 yeah. pretty easily with that. Um, but it's still a the, we've we've all run the Opata Qual rifle Qual um, or their what do they call that? They call that their carbine or their patrol carbine or patrol rifle whatever carbine, it whatever it yeah. is. Their carbine Qual. Uh, we've all we've run that with a handgun and passed it with a handgun. Um, so you know, not not a real big deal there. Uh, the, the CPD qual is definitely a little tighter, uh, running that with a handgun, I think would have been pretty interesting, still yeah. doable, been cool, yep. been fun. Um, but, but definitely interesting. Um, and yeah, and one of the things, one of their, one of the, one of the cadre guys, one of the trainer guys that we were talking to, um, again, uh, a lifelong commitment to martial living, uh, martial arts, firearms, etc. Uh, gentleman's a really squared away dude. And one of the things he brought up was, you know, working with some guys at distance with handguns where you're shooting rifles at hundred yards and then going, well, let's try it with pistols. And everybody kind of going, Oh man, what are you talking about? That's a hundred yards. And you fire a couple shots and you're on the target and you're like, Oh, that's really not that hard. Same concept. So, um, it was a fun confirmation. It was a yeah. fun confirmation of, of solid skills because we don't spend as much time on rifle. Right. And, uh, so this night I actually shot, I CZ, um, Scorpion, SPR yep. or PCC, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, with my own, um, uh, homebrewed ammo. Yeah. And, um, one of the things that, you know, if you look at the military guys that are at a very high level, um, they have ammo. Yep. It is only their, their actual go to war ammo. Yeah. They, yeah. They, yeah. They don't uh, have training ammo and defensive ammo or training ammo yeah, and work ammo. They, just have, ammo. they have ammo, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, say with like FBI, HRT, uh, if you look at well, high, all the FBI now, Oh, all the, the FBI. FBI I'm now. pretty sure all the FBI now. I'm pretty sure there's no distinction. Yeah. They use Gold Dot G2 or whatever it is, and that's all they uh, run. You look at guys like Ben Steger. Um, he shoots pretty much all Gold Dots. Yep. From what I gathered over a couple of podcasts I've listened to. Um, when you start pushing handgun ammo out past 10 yards or 15 yards, yep. uh, the difference between really good ammo and so-so ammo starts yeah. to become apparent. Or actual crap ammo. Yeah. That's the case maybe. I mean, depending on what you're uh, running right now, beggars can't be choosers in this yeah. market. So, you know, I was not real happy with my, yep. my, um, uh, what is it, the NRA rifle call scores, um, but I think some of it had to do with the ammo. Sure. Um, because it was starting to knuckle ball once we got out past 25 yards. Well, and your target showed that. It wasn't, yeah. I mean, you could, there were, there were provably keyhole 
rounds through your through the paper. I mean, you could see, you know, you could see there was a, there was a quality of ammo failure at that point. So yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, so something to, to keep in mind, you know, if you're using PCCs or even using handguns where you're pushing distance. Yeah, um, I mean, especially, I mean, you can see with a handgun beyond 10, 15 yards, you can start to see it if you're a good shooter. At 25 yards, it becomes really obvious when yeah. you're shooting B8s with no time and stuff like that. It, it gets real obvious because you can go from one a mag of one to a mag of the other and go, okay, that's that's a 50% differential. Yeah. Yeah, it matters. Yep. Yeah, so something to, you know, seriously something to keep in mind, you know, if you're if you're shooting stuff a little bit farther out and you're going, well, am I doing things right? Am I yeah. not doing things right? Yeah. Uh, run a good, run a mag of good ammo. Yeah. Um, and validate your actual shooting versus yeah. trying to chase, you know, you know, in this case, it's not quite the definition of insanity. It's almost the opposite. Yeah. Cause we're doing the same thing and we're getting different results, yep. um, which can be either lead to chasing zeros or it's going to show that, Hey, there's an equipment failure and something's yep. loose. Yeah. And again, the, some of this stuff, guys, depending on your 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 actual foundational skill level as a shooter, will be a little bit harder to diagnose. Um, you know, the reality check is, uh, you know, we always we've we've used this like uh, inch per um, ten feet standard as a as a uh, angular standard for capability with a handgun. Um, so when you're talking three hundred, you know, three hundred or hundred yards turns into a thirty inch circle. Um, that's, that's, that's pretty generous. And the reality check is most of the guys that we shoot with on a regular basis can pop a 10 or 12 inch steel plate at hundred yards, which is a third of that standard. It's a hell of a lot harder when you try and do it with cheap reloads, or I'm going to just pick on, uh, without getting into brands, your, whatever your cheapy brand might be. Um, it, it can be hard to do that, but then you throw a 124 grain plus P federal HST in your gun or a gold dot 124 or 147 in your gun. And if you know, if you understand the differences in holds with those two loads at 100 yards, and understanding that you know the 147 is going to drop an extra couple inches, um, that shot's not hard, and that is truly part of the ammo. I mean, I can throw cheap ammo in the gun; it might take four or five shots to make the hit. I can throw good ammo in the gun and probably hit it on the first or second shot at 100 yeah. yards. That's that's a pure point of understanding what the ammo is doing, but it's also a, if you don't have the foundational skills to to maintain that 30 inch probably going to have a hard time confirming those things. So back it in close, just like yeah. zero in your red dot. If you want to zero your red dot at 25 or 50 yards, that's fine. But the vast majority of people out there are telling you to get it where you want it at like 10 feet and then maybe push it out to what, 30 feet? or? No, I'd, I'd, if you're zeroing a red dot on a handgun, um, zero it at 10 yards. Okay, 30 feet. Confirm yeah. at 25 yards. Okay. Uh, but it's gener generally most people are going to shoot a much tighter, tighter group uh, just from a like hand movement and stuff standard. Mm -hmm. So you get good data at 10 yards than you are at 25. And again, if you don't have great ammo or you don't know what ammo your gun likes, you just have ammo in your gun, that 25 yards will start telling you things that you're not, you don't actually need to be told Yeah. because of the ammo. So yeah, definitely that, that, that did, that for sure came to light. For sure it came yeah. to light shooting that qual. So um, do you want to run through any of the problems, any of the oh, sure. equipment issues? I uh, mean, I, I, you know. Yeah, we got, yeah. we still got a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, so the Opata... Rifle qual does this somewhat esoteric, goofy transition the gun from your strong side shoulder to your weak side shoulder, uh, still shooting the gun with your strong hand, uh, and shoot two rounds, and then you go back to strong side. Uh, normally, if you're doing this, you're doing this from a static position. You have all of the time in the world, yeah, uh, and nothing bad happens. 
uh, when you try to compress this with movement to do it as fast as you possibly can. With a weapon system that you don't the, train on quite as much. And that I've never actually done this kind of move, yeah. this kind of technique with. Yeah. Uh, with the CZ Scorpion, the way the magazine release being ambidextrous. Yeah. And I guess also on an AR, um, it's pretty easy to do too. Okay. Uh, as you rotate the gun, because uh, as I'm moving, my finger, so the gun's going back on safe. Yep. My finger's coming up off the trigger on yep. the side of the gun. Well, if we don't get it up perfectly high as we push it over and roll and start moving, yep. um, you run your trigger finger right over the bag release. Yep. And then the mag ends up on the deck, and you've just ran past it. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, in this case, we did our, our reload um, back 20 yards, yep. or 20 feet, or 30 Whatever it whatever. was, yeah. Previously. Th previously. Up range. Um, and yeah. I did not have an extra magazine extra magazine for that gun. Yeah. Um, so it just turned into a handgun transition to finish the drill with the handgun. Yeah. Um, which and, added, like, about three seconds to my time over the previous run. And... Well, it added three seconds and a whole bunch of decibels. Yeah. Um, so there was there was loud decibels, and then and there was a mag on the deck, fifteen feet away that didn't that wasn't explained. And it was kind of one of those like, what just happened? <laughs> as we're as we're spectating, you know, from twenty five or thirty yards away, uh, it, it it wasn't exactly funny to watch. It was curious. It was funny like a carrot stuck up your nose, not like funny. Yeah. Aha! You're like, what just happened? What what? Who this? What's going on? It was funny. So and and again, the the cadence was there was no change in cadence. It was like pop, 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 more like, and then pop, 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 and it was like, okay, something just happened, just different guns. But anyway, and again, that goes back to those, that goes back to that skill level, that goes back to the ability to recognize, hey, there's a problem that I'm not going to solve, and I'm at a distance where it needs to be solved right now. Right now, so let's let's solve the kinetic issue and not solve the malfunctional issue and go on. Malfunctional. I think I just made up a word. Um, yeah, and so that, yeah. but that was, that was pretty cool because it speaks to, again, the skill level that transitions from one system to another. If you can't make that system work, go to the handgun and go on. Yeah. Um, and that was nearly seamless. Um, there's a, what, yeah. you, there wasn't attempted tap rack or was the mag just gone? The mag was just gone. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So it was just, okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I couldn't I, see I her behind I realized this you. was the problem yeah. when I heard the mag hit the deck. Yeah. And then the gun went dry. And yeah. I'm like, I'm not going back for that. Yep, at I'm all. I'm just going to the pistol. Yep, for sure. Uh, one of the, the other thoughts on this, you know, over the years we've heard a lot of guys say, well, I'm not going to carry, if i got a <clears> rifle, I'm not going to carry a handgun. Yeah. Because uh, that's, you know, weight. I can turn into more rifle mags. Um, that's great if you're shooting from one side of a mountain to the other in Afghanistan. Yep. Um, where weight actually does really make a difference. Yeah. And you have... Probably time and cover, and the handgun's not really effective at those kind of distances. Yeah, and anyways. a team, a team backing you up. And, and a team cover. backing you up. Yeah. Um, in an urban environment or a suburban environment, yeah. um, where things are generally going to be very close, uh, being able to immediately transition the handgun um, is, I think, really important. And and also lends a little bit to that. You know, we get a lot of guys that have this mentality, like, well, if there's ever really a fight, I'm just going to go get my rifle. Oh, well, that's cute. Um, maybe you'll be able to do that. Maybe you won't. And then once you get your rifle, um, Murphy still has a vote. Um, you know, it, well, what's, what's the infantry saying? All is in vain when an angel pisses in the pan of your flintlock. Um, yeah. if something happens in the gun, your firing pin breaks or, or something literally breaks with the gun and even the best guns still made by man. Um, if something fails and you're down to now a club, um, you know, so that, so having that yeah. handgun and I, and I do agree with the mentality of, if I'm carrying a rifle, I want everything for the rifle. doesn't mean I don't want a handgun. 
I just don't want to carry a whole bunch of Glock 19 mags when I've got the rifle on me. Right. I want the gun and a spare and go on like I always carry, but then everything else I want to be rifle. If I'm just carrying the handgun and I thought things were going to be really bad, um, I'd probably schedule a root canal and not go to the really bad place. Yeah. If I could. So. Or I have an AC-130 Spectre gunship over here. I want, I want one. Cool. Yep, I want one. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. An- another, real quick, because uh, we still got a moment or two. Uh, issue that came up with the Scorpion, I'm shooting that prone. Mm-hmm. Again, we got those ambi safety selectors, which are great when you're doing stuff standing up or kneeling mm-hmm. uh, or moving around, because you can turn the safety back on with your trigger finger knuckle. Yep. Uh, transitioning between targets in the prone, I actually turned it on to safe. Oh, bumped uh, it. It bumped it, didn't yeah. realize it, did a top rack, and then went to shoot, and it still didn't work, and it was like, oh, the safety. Yeah. Uh, but given the generous part times, I still had plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, still all the time in the world, so, yeah. Uh, but again, kind of get back to that, you know, if you've got something other than an AR or an AK, um, you know, or if you got, you know, ambi safety selectors on your AR, is something that I think you get, depending on the size of your hand, depending on how you're how you've got stuff oriented, um, something you could do on an AR probably without too much trouble. Yeah. Um, you know, shoot your gun or dry fire your gun in, you know, maybe slightly different than standard shooting positions um, or try doing stuff a little bit, you know, under time hacks. Or doing, or doing you know, do a burpee, yeah. you know, where you shoot at the bottom, shoot at the top kind of thing because you've got to manipulate the safety in both directions. Do something like that where you're, yeah. you know, drop, do the shot, get up, do the shot, drop, do the shot, a few, you know, uh, enough times that you understand where you might potentially have an issue because now that you've had that issue once if it were to happen again you would know that almost immediately and be able to work with it and go on Uh, especially as we get into winter if you're wearing gloves um, you may not necessarily feel things like safety is actually getting turned on or even worse getting turned off yep yep for sure Um, so you know kind of constant check of that and then you know in this case rotating the gun um, or traversing the gun from laterally yeah. Um, to go from one target to the other is what caused that issue. Yep. Yeah, and you won't know that until you go out and train and do those things. So, uh, you know, go train and do those yeah. things. That being said, I still do very much love my Scorpion. Amen. Uh, awesome yep. platform. Yeah, everything's got, everything's got its quirks. So, yep. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah on that note, um, we are still on Facebook. Um, as long as the commie bastards at Meta or Zuckerfuck or whatever, whatever it is. <gasps> um, let us. Let us stick around. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll just, yeah, we'll, we're we'll just working, stop there. We're working on a new IG account um, to get past the Ministry of Truth since yeah. they've consigned our previous account to the memory hole. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about there, um, go read 1984. Yeah. Um, it is no longer a prophecy. It is the current reality. Amen. Um, and I'd say the same thing with um, Alice Shrugged. Go read that too. Yep. Because um, it is no longer the day after tomorrow. That's right. Uh, on our website, you can find valuable information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Uh, also on the website, you can sign up for our email newsletter. It comes out once a week on Fridays. Uh, it will, I can foresee in the somewhat near future, be our primary means of communication. Um, so please do sign up for that. Uh, yeah, or you can send us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com and we'll add you to the newsletter list. And then, yeah, come see us in the store. We're here Tuesday through Saturday. Yep. Um, 10 to 5. We're in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. Uh, we are in front of the Aldi's. We're directly next to Louis Fusion Drill, and there's a lovely coffee shop at the end of the strip named Rev. So Amen. Check them out, too. Cool. Thanks for checking in, guys. Appreciate it.